Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust proof stainless steel hardware, weather ready teak, and quick dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello and welcome to the UK Film Review Podcast. I am your host for today's podcast. I am Jason Knight and I am joined today by fellow critic Robert State. Hello, Robert. Hello. Uh, This podcast is taking place to celebrate the recent release of The Last Jewel and the upcoming release of House of Gucci which is scheduled to be released here in the UK on the 26th of November. Both films were directed by acclaimed English filmmaker Sir Ridley Scott, and today we are going to be discussing some of his films. Scott was born on the 30th of November 1937 in South Shield, County Durham, and he began his career as a TV designer and director. He went on to have a remarkable career as a film director and producer, and in 2003 he was knighted for his services to the British film industry. So what do you think about, what is your opinion about Ridley Scott, Robert? Uh, So my opinion is that um, I think he's a really talented and gifted uh, filmmaker. Um, I think that the career path that he's chosen has been one that's been like impressive but also kind of like has maybe led to the quality not always being the most consistent because i feel like he just has a big work ethic and he has um a lot of ambition so he wants to make many many movies and he also has a tendency to almost always choose scripts rather than write them so as a result you do have some film of some films of his that aren't as good as others uh, but oftentimes he'll get lucky and pick a really good script and he'll, his directing will be like really turned on and he'll just match really well with the script that he's chosen and he'll end up making, you know, a classic. So that that's kind of how I feel. 
Yep, yeah, he certainly has made a lot of films, and he's made a lot of good ones too. So, we'll st- one of them is. So we'll start with our favorite top five favorite films now. I'll start. With, I'll start with my first one. It's Alien, the nineteen seventy nine classic horror science fiction film. That you know, just a just a landmark. It launched. It really put Ridley Scott on the map, and it launched the career of Sigourney Weaver, and it. And it was groundbreaking for its time, for its spectacular scenery and story and creature design. What are your thoughts on Alien? So I agree. Uh, it's on my list as well. Um, I think that uh, what's um, most impressive about it is how much of a sheer complete turnaround it is from uh, Ridley's prior film, The Duelists. And The Duelists was his first film and Alien was the second so this was Alien was like his sophomore feature, and it was again so completely different to the Duelists in terms of like tone, uh, genre, mm. style, all of that. Um, it's impressive on that front, but also as a movie, it's a really like well crafted and suspenseful film. Um, it's excellently directed. It's um, one that kind of has like enough suspense to. Um, just naturally keep you engaged through the story, but I think it also has a lot of like deeper philosophical elements as well that um might not always be noticed because they're not they're they're, they're very like subtle, but there are a lot of themes of like you know creation and birth and life and death and and a lot of other like intriguing things that you can sort of if you look at the visuals and you look at some of the dialogue as well you can find a lot of intriguing stuff in there yeah absolutely and it certainly has one of the most famous um death scenes in horror film you know the one with john hart that is that's unforgettable it's one of the scenes i'd mostly remember for maybe apart from the monster Mm. yeah because um what's so uh good about it is that like a was how gory it was at the time but also because it's kind of, um, again, it ties in with those themes of like birth and it shows how violent and destructive a process like that can be, especially when you're birthing a monster, you know, and um, the entire film just has like several like, you know, scary, intense scenes and some very like well done, especially like in hindsight, some like really good jump scares as well. Some really like great jolt inducing moments. Um, I think the the I mean the, there's that bit as well, but there's also, and this is a spoiler for anybody who hasn't seen Alien, uh, but the death of uh, Brett, um, his death scene is really, again, it's suspenseful and intense, and it kind of culminates in this like kind of less violent but still uh, really good and really scary payoff as well. Uh, who's brother again? Please remind me. Uh, he's uh, Harry Dean Stanton, uh, the one with the uh, hat. Ah, <clears throat> uh, yes, and when he he enc- he's the one who encounters a who's he's the first one who encounters the alien once it's grown up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that is one. That is one terrifying scene. Yep, because the alien makes because of the way it's directed and because the alien makes its appearance, you know, slowly, you don't actually see the whole scene. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a terrific scene, crazy, terrific suspense, and a lot of terror as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and um, I think it's also a film that um, has like a lot of uh, like good, very good characterization um, for the crew because they all feel like very fleshed out people. They're people that you can kind of get to know, 
and understand and that feel distinctive and um uh it's it works really like naturally how they transition to then having ripley be the fine be the final um character the only survivor because from the beginning she's the one who is kind of echoing the thoughts of the audience as well so she's naturally the one that you kind of gravitate towards the most yes yes she is a main character you know and she, and she plays a part very very well mm-hmm. and, and, and the sequel of course i mean because you know that film, it just uh, it created so much then, and it had such an impact. It, it created all those sequels and that mer- merchandise, video games that everybody wants to have. Mm-hmm. Everybody just likes that monster, I guess. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. The, well, the xenomorph itself, um, I think, in the film isn't mm-hmm. shown on screen that much. I think it's only mm-hmm. like sparsely, which gives it more of this like kind mm-hmm. of ghostly. Um, more like I kind of unseen quality that you kind of wait that, that some that oftentimes you just want in a horror film and um and also what I think is uh, quite good as well is um <clears throat> uh, how you know some of these death scenes were also kind of off camera um not especially the one also a spoiler uh, that happens to uh, Dallas as well because at least in the theatrical cut you don't like not only do you not see how he dies but you think that he does die Whereas in the director's car, I think he, it's like he's like captured and cocooned or something. But in the theatrical cut, you just you see what happens to him, and he just it seems like he just dies, but you don't really know how he dies. You just know that the aliens got him, and that's just terrifying. Yeah, absolutely. Well, <clears throat> you won't be caught by that, but the xenomorph no. So I guess there, I guess he probably had a bad fate. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 definitely. Yeah, what are you, what are you such on the scenery of the film? Uh, the scenery, yeah, I yeah. think it's. Um, I love the um, actual planet itself because it's uh, such a like eerie, deserted place, and it's like both um, uh, intriguing yet also the the kind of environment that you wouldn't want to be in but if you were like an explorer of any kind or even a person who just was in space you'd want to see it and you'd want to find it you'd be wondering like what are all these eggs doing here you know and then you come across the space jockey as well and you'd wonder what the hell it was too um i like how i i like even though i know that he'd expand on this later with like prometheus and stuff i do like just the addition of that space jockey and just how it's just a random weird thing that you see and you're just wondering like it, it makes you think of a whole bunch of stuff that within that film the the film itself isn't really interested in like answering but it just is just food for food for thought you know yeah no <clears throat> yeah that alien just i don't think that film ever gets old mm-hmm. i think it just has the same impact today when you watch it yeah 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 um, so, Robert, one of, one of your favorite films? Uh, so one of my favorites uh, would probably be, and this is a unique choice in his filmography, but uh, Matchstick Men. Um, I think that that movie is uh, really like, it's a unique beast among his movies because, I mean, he, he, he does have a very diverse career in terms of working in a lot of different genres. But this one still, to me, kind of stands out as being like, you know, a kind of darkly comedic, um caper film or a, or a film about con men um but what i think is really good about it is how just uh fleshed out the main character is how 
because Nick Cage plays this like OCD uh, riddled con man who has this complicated relationship with his wife and daughter and his daughter comes back into the picture and then we sort of see we see how that plays out how he introduces his daughter to what's going on and we, his own like struggles as well in life and it's a very like it's a surprisingly like although it is funny it does have this like emotional undercurrent to it that i think is very um uh sincere and uh, a lot of that does come through in cage's performance because uh he actually like legitimately really sincerely commits to playing the role of this like again ocd riddled guy and he doesn't use it as an excuse to be like um quirky and weird he instead imbues the quirky and the weirdness with his character and um it results in some like really excellently like acted scenes um and it's the kind of film as well that like a lot of caper movies goes in many different directions and kind of has a bunch of twists and turns and uh by the time you reach the end you can kind of see why they went in those directions definitely it it, it ties together really satisfyingly okay i haven't seen the film but okay from, yeah. what, from, from what you're saying it sounds like a good film it, it sounds quite different from alien you know quite a departure you know it's from a space horror film to a crime film, right? Yeah, what it is. Yeah, 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 and it's a lot less um, like nihilistic than most of his movies as well. Which is, I think, a common thing among many of them is that they tend to be really dark and bleak. But uh, this one, not as much. Uh, how is the tone of the film? Is it kind of comical or is it serious? Uh, it's kind. Of, it's a combination of the two. Um, it's more. I, I'd say it's more. It's, as I said, emotional, but also kind of, again, humorous, but also also kind of weird as well. Like, there is a bit of a weirdness to the movie, a weird quality to it that kind of, um, that I think is mm-hmm. meant to be somewhat reflective of the main character and, uh, you know, his, like, what he goes through and also the turns in the story as well. And also kind of the con artist lifestyle too. <clears throat> okay. So you recommend that film, then? Mm-hmm. I do. I do. All right, then. Let's let's move on to let's move on to another great Ridley Scott film that I really like. That'll be uh, the two thousand epic historical film Gladiator. Mm-hmm. I love that one. Uh, that's a fantastic film. No, it stars uh, Russell Crowe in a role that pretty much launched his career, made him very famous, and. He plays a part very, very well in one's Oscar. And he plays a... Take, the story takes place in ancient Rome, and he plays a general who becomes a slave and has to fight his way towards freedom and avenge the murder of his family. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's, and, it's, yeah. Go ahead, Robert. Yeah. Yeah, and yeah, it's... um, And also battle Emperor Commodus as well. Yes, I should have added that too. Thank you, Robert. Yeah, so it's, I mean, so in this film, again, the, the costumes are terrific. The scenery is fantastic. The acting is great, particularly by Russell Crowe. Mm-hmm. And the, mu- the music is fantastic. And it's another triumph for Ridley Scott. He really, really, I think it's one of his final films. Definitely shows what he can do. Mm-hmm. What are your thoughts on it? Yeah, so again, I agree. Um, what I would say about the movie that I was really impressed by was just how um, character-focused and um, engaging it was. And it's a movie that um, I feel uses its long runtime very strongly. And it never feels boring to me because it's always 
about the people you know it's always about the uh whether it be maximus or commodus or the other characters that are in the film it fleshes them out quite a lot gives them good motivations and gives them personality um it has a again a, like quite a beating heart to it uh, especially with like you know again what maximus wants to do and um his relationship with um commodus's uh, sister uh, lucia as well and um we see like kind of, it's a very like tragic journey but it's certainly one that is quite satisfying to see play out like it's a movie with a lot of very cool satisfying scenes especially when maximus actually like reveals himself to commodus because you know commodus thought he was dead and then he kind of says no i'm the gladiator that they're talking about like that entire scene is great oh uh, yes yes my name is maximus and i will have my revenge is what he says i think mm-hmm. yeah, it's yeah definitely satisfying scene as any oh no now i'm in trouble <laughs> mm-hmm. well, yeah well so well as, as the title of the film suggests this is a there is a lot of you know sword fighting here and it is fantastic i think that is a highlight of the movie the battle scenes but they are just fantastic yeah a lot of them are really well um choreographed and um i did notice as well that there is uh, quite a bit of like slow-mo and uh mm. quick cutting um in in this in the fight scenes themselves but i thought it i thought it worked to fairly good effect you know it was kind of early on when that technique was becoming well both of those techniques were like kind of starting to become popular but wouldn't get to the points where they were like overbearing and annoying like they would later become um and also i appreciate as well just how violent the movie is as well you know because it just it just like it's the kind of thing that you sometimes need in a historical film to like really amp it up and show you that you know the past was kind of brutal time and many different ways yeah it definitely shows that no doubt about that you know the the brutal battles inside that arena slavery mm-hmm. definitely shows how, how, how those times were and i think it does it very very well mm-hmm. okay. yeah i agree especially the like in the opening battle scene as well you know like where you see the the the, the head and the um and all the people getting like chopped up and dying and stuff like that it's just really like um it's kind of something that he's like always had as well in his movies like not just the nihilism but also the brutality you know like like i don't think any of his films have really shied away from that particularly i think they typically always show it in detail yes that certainly does i think the best scene is for me is uh the battle with the tigers my opinion that's a a terrific one Mm -hmm. do you have a favorite do you have a favorite scene from the film Oh, um, I think the final battle is really good. I, I think that's just a great sequence. Um, so I, I would say that's probably my favorite. Yep, when the um, when the bad guy gets what's coming to him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Cool. Uh, so an, another one of your great Ridley Scott films. Let's see. So I'd probably say uh the that one the the next one so i've kind of i've already gotten through three because i'm sharing two of them with you um one of uh the next one i would say is probably is actually the one that you you just mentioned his most recent one uh the last jewel um i would put that high up on the list that was a really really big surprise and a really uh, great film in my opinion okay i haven't seen it it's a historical epic right 
work out i i wouldn't call it an epic but it is mm. is certainly historical um it's kind of i i think what i what i really loved about it was that um it was it executed its like main story which was both like complicated in terms of its themes and complicated in its structure it did both of those very very well um it had a kind of uh backwards and forwards storyline where we saw somewhat like the same events like not all of them but some of this but many of the same events play out from like different character perspective how we're kind of following these two uh knights and um then at the end uh the first knight's wife how like we like really delve into their mindsets and we see like how they are as people uh what drives them and uh they're like you know the problems of their situations and also in the case of the both of the knights uh the character flaws you know we really um see that this is just purely a case of like two warring egos and uh two really messed up men who are like fighting for basically like validation and attention and ultimately they're kind of both harming um you know this woman who is like going through a lot of like like some of the worst stuff that you could imagine a woman at that time going through and um yeah i think it's a movie that gets better and better as it goes on and uh when it's focusing on the wife uh it kind of it is at its most like powerful and effective you know in terms of showing this stuff and you know it has it has some really like intense disturbing stuff in it as well like i was like when i was watching the cinema i was pretty like shocked to um uh because the well the entire plot it revolves around like basically a rape accusation and you see the scene play out two times and when you see the scene play out the second time it's really really it, it, it was like legit really hard to watch you know and um i think he just did a really good job at conveying that stuff and i think he also did a great job at um you know like con- conveying this like terrible oppressive environment and um using the violence as well as a way to kind of bolster it, especially during like the battlefield scenes as well and you know when we see the duel at the end it's a really intense uh violent sequence that just involves these two men just wanting to kill each other so they really just like brutally harm each other and it's a really it's a really powerful film that um uh really really did did impress me quite a lot yes it sounds very exciting so is there that's a great fighting scene that 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 film as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would say so. Um, what once again there is some like you know kind of like, um, like shaky cam in the see in the scenes that do mm-hmm. add this sort of like again like gritty quality and um, it, the end they're also kind of again recontextualized by the very like hot headed, uh, macho character two knights that we're following and we kind of like we really get a sense of their like big flaws as people okay so it sounds very exciting sir i should i should watch it then mm-hmm. okay then so let's move to another one of my favorite films then uh that'll be the 1991 uh crime crime buddy film selma and louise that was that stars susan sarandon and gina davis and it's about uh two women it, the story takes place in the United States. So they, these two women, they decide to go on a trip together. And 
Selma nearly gets raped by a man and, and Louise ends up shooting him dead. And then they go on a run from the law and they try to get into Mexico. And I think that's it's a, it's a great film. It's very well directed by Ridley Scott. The acting is very, very good. And the script is very well written. And it's, I think ultimately it's a film about freedom. Because it's about two women who are dissatisfied with their lives and they're escaping that. They just become out, they just become very independent. They just, nothing can control them anymore. What are your thoughts on this film? Yeah, so that one, uh, it's not quite in my list, but it's its definitely up there. Um, I do think it's really good. I do think it's um, very um, well written because the main characters are very like fleshed out. Um, and the film kind of subverts your expectations a few times in terms of mm. how you think they'll behave. Mm. Uh, and I like the kind of the journey that you go on with them, um, the literal journey, but also the metaphorical mm. journey where like you kind of, you learn more about them. They kind of unfold like a map. Um, and yeah, I think it's also the kind of film that was pretty risky for its time in terms of what it was depicting. Um, and I feel like, again, Scott and the uh, script, for the most part, they kind of like coalesced and, you know, he brought it to life very well. Uh, he kind of um, tones it down a little bit in terms of the style, because I think he wanted to make, give this film a more grounded quality. But what I think he does is that he conveys, um, again, that repression that, like, the women face from many different men and also shows how, uh, you know, they're trying as hard as they can to try and break her out of it. But, you know, is it like they do become criminals and, you know, they come across many different scenarios and some of these things that do happen kind of happen, like, especially because of like the things that Felma does. So they like Felma does cause some of these problems and, uh, I think the, the film, it does somewhat suffer slightly from characters maybe not acting how you'd act, but at the same time, you can kind of look at them and say that they act in character for how, the, for like what those characters probably would do in that situation. Yes, yeah, yeah I do. I mean, the film is, the film also shows, depicts men as being, you know, kind of bad people, you know, show them as being rapists, like thieves or not respecting women, being dominative. Do you think that the film is kind of anti-male? No. No, no. no. I, no I, just, I just think it's just like shining the light on um, what I think it, like, in the early 90s, people were still afraid to, like, confront or, like, properly examine, you know? Like, it's, mm. it's not that you didn't see stuff like this. It's just that this movie was just kind of coming out, combining it into one blender and pointing out, you know, yeah, these women... Um, do not get the respect that they really deserve and it's clear that um, the film is kind of attacking that and it's also clearly making the point as well that these women aren't like saints either but they are people to be sympathised with and you know respected I mean it is, although the ending you know the famous ending although it is triumphant you do think to yourself, like, none of this would have happened if these people just respected them. But, you know, they didn't. Well, they didn't, yes. And they wanted to 
maybe a bit of a spoiler now. They wanted to go to be free for it. Be free. They didn't want to be. They wanted to die as as free women. You know, yeah, not yeah, not, not, in, not in a prison. Yeah, it's, it's a very very powerful ending. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I so loved it, it as well. So it's a classic ending. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. I think. Um... And I'm I'm very certain that like originally they were thinking about like at least sparing one of them, but weirdly that would have come off as a bit more callous to have one of them die and the other one live. You know, it's kind of better that they are like together in this final action that they do. And um, yeah, 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 yeah. It's 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 famous for a good reason because I mean, a it's a memorable image, but b it's mm. also a uh, very like emotionally powerful note to like in the film on. Yeah, so I might say they care for each other and they just they want to remain together forever. Mm-hmm. So it also shows the power of friendship, I think, as well. Mm-hmm. Oh, there's two women supporting each other and not never willing to willing to do whatever, willing to really you know help each other out mm-hmm. any way they can. Okay, so Robert, your next film, please. Uh, my next one. So this will be kind of a toss up between uh, two movies. Um, one of them's The Martian and the other one is Black Rain so mm-hmm. neither of these two films are re- really have anything to do with each other but they're just like two that I think of when I think of like films of his that I think are quite good um, so what, what, what one do you want me to talk about first? Uh, why don't we talk about The Martian first please? Yeah so uh, I, yeah actually I read the book of that, of that before I saw it and uh, I was very impressed at um, just how faithful it was to the spirit of the book while still making changes that um, I felt made for a better film ultimately, or what well, were made for a better story, I would say um, it mm-hmm. kind of it really, like to me um, it was a, bur- a real burst of life and energy to Scott's films that kind of had been lacking as of late, you know I do think he was maybe falling into a bit of like self-seriousness and a bit of um uh, you know, like making films that were impressive, technically, but that kind of just didn't quite have that humane touch. But uh, The Martian, I think, was a really great example of that, of um, just a movie that had a big budget, that had a lot of actors, that was, um, you know, like, not not sci-fi, but like grounded sci-fi, and that really like had this kind of triumph of the human spirit quality to it. That was clear in both the you know the main character as well, Mark, you know the one the astronaut who was trapped on Mars, and also all of the people that were trying to like save him as well. Especially like you know out of his former crew as well, Jessica Chastain, mm-hmm. the captain, uh, she's the one who gets to spoiler who gets to save him in the end because you can tell that that's a thing that a failure that she blamed herself for. And uh, you see that, you see um, a lot of other showcases of humanity without the film having to kind of force in any um, tired or cliched subplots. Like, it's a very straightforward movie, and it's straightforward because there really are no, like, digressions from the main plot. It's just purely like... There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. 
Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Like, we just need to get this stranded guy off of Mars, and, you know, they end up doing it. And it's a really uh, surprisingly um, optimistic film, especially, like, you know, science-wise. Yeah, it made me think of uh, the 2000 film Cast Away with Tom Hanks. You know, it has a lot of isolation in it. You know, one is that it takes place in on planet Mars, of course. A guy being by himself, trying to survive, trying to desperately survive and get away back to Earth. Yeah, it is a it is a great film. Yes, I think the Scott directed again very 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 well, and I think that and Matt Damon is Matt Damon's performance is very good and as well as the scenery is pretty excellent as well you know the way it looks like mars you know it makes you think that you actually are there it is mm-hmm. terrific scenery mm-hmm. yeah i agree and uh, i loved how uh, the film kind of uh again it, ca- it did capture the sort of gruelingness of being there on your own uh, but it also had enough like levity and humor to balance it out. You know, like there are a lot of scenes in it that are just really, really hilarious, whether it be like just him on his own or him actually communicating with like, you know, people. And uh, there's a lot of like great funny moments, like one great cut to what he was uh, thinking about where a character says, Oh, you must be, Oh, he must be like really desperate uh, thinking about a lot of stuff. You know, I wonder what he's thinking, you know, and then it mm. cuts to him and I'm not going to say the line, but it cuts to him saying something that's like completely non-serious and very, very funny. And um, it ends. And, and, you know, it's kind of, again, I feel like it's Scott kind of embracing that human quality that um, his scripts um, or the scripts that he had picked up until that point kind of didn't really have and his direction kind of showed in that, in that like you were, you weren't really like getting this real, like funny, optimistic, uh, emotional quality that you, that you do get in his best films, but that you won't get, hadn't been quite been getting for a few years, you know, mm, best and films. actually that kind of brings us on to, um, uh, one of your next picks, doesn't it? Okay, well, my next my next film I say is uh, Prometheus, the 2012 science fiction horror film, which is a prequel to the 1979 Alien. I mean, again, as that is a very 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 well directed film, the scenery is fantastic, and the creature design is also awesome. So this time we have we don't have the xenomorphs. It's kind of the story basically. Uh, explores how the xenomorphs came to be. Because there, there are these these people now. They're on a spaceship. They arrive at another planet in order to try to discover the origins of mankind. And what they end up finding is a lot of trouble. And they they encounter those entities, and people you know start getting killed. But it's a very very intense film. It's kind of philosophical too, and uh, 
the monsters are, are terrifying and the action is pretty tense. What are your thoughts on this film, Robert? Mm. Oh, I haven't, I haven't seen it in a while. It's, it's one that I want to kind of give a bit of a revisit um, in light of in light of seeing Alien again, mm. but also um, also somewhat in light of um, the feel like you know Alien Covenant and mm. um, other stuff as well, kind of making me wonder how I'd see this movie again in like hindsight. You know, I remember. I remember not disliking Prometheus at all, but I don't really remember loving it. Um, I think mm. that film slightly suffered from the fact that it, it, like, kind of the time that it came out in, because I think it came out in a time that was, it, it was very heavily hyped, and it maybe fell prey to a hype backlash, I feel. Um, and it also kind of had this sort of element where we were, it was a prequel that was kind of going into detail on backstory of the alien mythos and kind of, and, you know, explaining what the space jockey is and, you know, even is seemingly at the time giving a bit of an origin for what the alien is. Though so I don't think that was, it, that, that, that wasn't like specifically a xenomorph that you see at the end, but it sort of, it gives, it gives what seems like it could be an or- origin, you know, and it, um, I think it, uh, has a lot of like ambition for a franchise film, particularly since it was like confirmed to be part of the Alien series. Um, but you know, I just, I, 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 I don't know if it quite li- lived up to it enough at the time. But I would like to revisit it and see what it was like, you know, like all these years later and stuff. Yeah, I think it I found it very interesting that Ridley Scott directed again, uh, you know, an alien film because it really is an alien film, isn't it? It's part of the it takes place in the same universe, mm-hmm. and it, you know, and he did that after all this time, you know, like like over thirty years later, mm-hmm. and he did it, and he does it very well, you know. It seems that being in the space is his territory, I'd say. Yeah, I mean, in terms of his sci-fi movies, I think. I mean, it feels like he's only really done Alien and Blade Runner, but I, I mean, The Martian kind of fits in that mold somewhat. Um, other than that, you know, can't think of any others for the most part. That's that's just what he's done. Yes, and he does it very, very, very well. I think he, he knows how to create a kind of how can I say space atmosphere. If you know what I mean? He knows mm-hmm. how, to, how to use the scenery and how to direct the actors. Yeah, and how to create like beautiful but uh, weird environments as well you know and um i mean that is somewhat clear as well in uh, alien covenant uh, the follow-up which would that be on your list too uh, that will be my next film yes that's right well that's a okay so that's a sequel direct sequel to the prometheus and i think it's a pretty good one basically and you know uh, basically these people they end up in the planet the same planet from the previous film and they end up being encountering that that robot uh, android yeah android and he doesn't have good plans for them unfortunately and you know chaos breaks loose fighting and that's what you expect to see from an alien film i guess and this does it very well the effects are pretty good the spaceships look great i think the characters are interesting and the, the action is once again great do you like the film i uh, so yeah, again, that's one that I want to kind of revisit. Um, at, at this time, I remember liking it. Um, there were some kind of problems that I had in hindsight, um, especially with um, not only kind of what it was doing um, in terms of, again, giving some like origins to the xenomorphs, 
but also um, just just how strange of a movie it really is, you know, just how, like, out with air it gets. Um, I respected some bits, like, I thought that the the flute scene between uh, David and Walter was a really well-shot sequence, and it um, uh, gave you this sort of insight into how the androids of the alien universe function and the difference between two of them. Because in Alien, one thing I did quite like was that reveal with Ash, how he did turn out to be a robot, which I felt actually kind of made his character make a bit more sense in hindsight. Um, And it just was quite a scary surprise on its own. Uh, But this, and this one did sort of flesh them out a little bit more, but um, in the process, it also kind of made David probably the most important character in the series. And it did sort of become at that point clear that Ridley kind of almost had a favorite, had a bit of a favoritism, like more to uh, the Android stuff than the Xenomorph stuff, but he still tried to establish like, oh yeah, the Xenomorphs are really like terrifying creatures. So there were a lot of like kill scenes in that film and it did almost become um, reflective of the film story, which is of basically a mad scientist that is trying to test out his um, destructive creatures on a bunch of unsuspecting innocent people. And that's kind of what the story ended up being. You know, it was just, yeah. Yeah, yeah the same thing was a great film, and I wonder if it's going to make a sequel. I, I hope they do, to be honest. I think it deserves a sequel. Yeah, well, he's planned... Yeah, he, he's planned um, uh, Alien Awakening, I think it's called. I, I think it does have a title, but it hasn't entered development, and uh, Scott is busy at the moment, so I don't know when we're going to get that one. Um, it would be cool if he got to actually like finish up a trilogy, maybe, of movies um, that would kind of then somewhat lead into the first film. Uh, I don't know how high fan demand would be for that one, so... I'm not sure if uh, it will get the funding to be made, you know. But then again, I mean, Prometheus didn't get the best reception. That still got a sequel, so who knows? No, yeah, they've made other Alien films, but, you know, with the exception of James Cameron's Aliens, the other ones haven't been going on in history as that good, I think. I think it's Ridley Scott, Alien yeah, Ridley yeah. Scott since, and James Cameron, of course. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, I agree. Yeah. Okay, so then I think we've been through our favorite films then. Yeah. I'll bring up Black Rain because that was one that I um, mentioned as being kind of a bit of a dueling for uh, number five. Um, uh, that one I think is very uh, underrated, I'd say, in terms of underrated films of his. Um, I think it kind of it makes for a good double feature with uh, Ridley's other uh, police movie that he did around that time called uh, Someone to Watch Over Me. Um, even though they're two like different kinds of movies, they're both like kind of uh, more, a bit more grounded films that are all about, you know, like, problems that occur with these, like, policemen. And Black Rain, I think, is a very uh, stylish movie that um, uses the whole this whole culture clash element to uh, create an intriguing story about, you know, this American cop who's going over to Japan, uh, basically to, to, you know, to be a part of this, like, case against the... Um, uh, I don't, it's not it's not the yakuza, but it's it's like the Japanese mafia, I think. And uh, you know, he's tailing this like evil guy who's a part of it. And the entire film 
it, it has a bunch. It has some action action scenes, and it's got um, a lot of further elements. But it is it is quite character focused, and it's about this mm. a very hot tempered, not particularly not particularly likable guy that Michael Douglas plays. But um, we still kind of, I think, understand him, and I was still entertained by him as well. Like it was really fun watching him, and uh, the same goes for his partner Andy Garcia, who um, is kind of the more light-hearted contrast to his more like hot-tempered character and um the relationship that comes up between douglas and the uh, japanese uh lieutenant that he's working with um adds this sort of like kind of uh as i've said before you know emotional heart to the film that kind of raises it a bit above your like typical uh action buddy buddy cop thriller um i think it's a really like fun cool movie that um you know it's sort of i think it's it, it's not always recognized in terms of scott's films okay i haven't seen it though but uh but it so- sounds good so i think it might be an underrated film then yeah deserves mm-hmm. more rec- recognition i'd say mm-hmm. i need to see it so yeah and any that you think are underrated underrated ridley scott films maybe one that has been mis- a bit misunderstood i'd say is uh it's a 1992 film, um, 1492 Conquest of Paradise. It's an mm-hmm. epic historical drama, which is about uh, Christopher Columbus going to discover America. I mean, it's been, I think it received criticism due to its historical inaccuracies. But apart from that, I think, I think it could be viewed as a pretty good fictional historical film. I mean, I, I think Depardieu was a good choice to play Columbus. And Sigourney Weaver's presence is good too. And for me, the best thing about that film is the soundtrack by by Evangelis, which is unforgettable. Yeah, I recognize that theme from it. I think that's somewhat famous. The um the like the the, the theme tune to it. Um, I, I, I listeners, if you want, just look it up on YouTube and you listen to it, you might recognize it. Okay, yeah, definitely do that. One of the best, but one of the best scores I've ever heard for a film, actually, in my opinion. But mm-hmm. and I trust that the story is also good too. It's very, it's powerful. It's dramatic. There's, of, of course, a lot of, and brutality as well. You know that, as you said, Scott tends to show that in his in his films. How things were at the time. It's just a film I recommend. You know, I think it, yes, I think it deserves more recognition. Yeah, coincidentally, I have that one on a DVD, and uh, I was going to get around to watching it, but I didn't quite have time before this episode. But you know, I'll, uh, yeah, I'll try. I'll. I suppose you mentioned that one, so yeah, because of that, I'll try and get round to watching it. Um, yeah, I, yeah, 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 and, and bring up Vangelis as well. Uh, would you, would you put uh, Blade Runner on your list of like best ones? I know that when Blade Runner came out, it actually wasn't wasn't really well received, but over the time, it's become a cult film, I'd say, and I do like the film. I just don't don't enjoy it if you know what I mean. I don't I don't find the narrative to be very exciting, but I do respect it and I do admire it. And the the music is wonderful, and I think Harrison Ford is a great great protagonist. And I think the you know, it's a film noir, and the atmosphere is pretty good, and the settings look terrific. The mm-hmm. settings again, and yes, it's a very nice science fiction noir film. It's about androids, about this guy placed by Harrison Ford, who is uh, android hunter. That's what he's trying to do. Get Cassandras that have escaped, and it's you know just really the tone is, you know, rather moody. I say, and it's a very 
great uh, noir science fiction film. But I have thoughts on that. Yeah, I'm I'm somewhat in the same boat as you. Uh, I do think that the movie itself is um is kind of it has all those good qualities and mm-hmm. um, it is in- engaging in the sense that it's just got such a heavy atmosphere and um, it does it draws you in on that alone and it does have a simple story. But even within that, there are still a lot of interesting, again, philosophical questions posed. Um, I think that uh, Roy Batty makes that film worthwhile, especially he's a really great villain. Uh, and he's one that you can really sympathize with, even though, again, he's not necessarily a good guy. Um, and yeah, and that one, and that one uh, I've only seen uh, the final cut as well. I haven't seen the theatrical cut. I've seen a compilation of um Deckard's narration which I'm very glad was not in the final cut and made me able to just enjoy that film completely without that distracting me or anything um yeah yeah the the final cut is is a really good uh sci-fi film and it's one that um kind of it, it somewhat shows you uh how like Ridley's um director's cuts can sometimes be a lot better than what they put out in theaters because he does have this slight bad luck of often uh you know his movies have scenes taken out of them and then he has to put them back in on dvd and then you watch them and they're a lot better but it's kind of annoying that the this just wasn't the version that got theatrically released okay so you you say that artist cut is much better than has more Uh, to offer okay yeah i I mean do do you think it like there are are there any cases where you've uh, maybe felt a difference between the two cuts of one of his films. Well, I couldn't say that. Be honest, I haven't so- seen that many directors directors cut films. Sorry. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, do you? Do you? Yeah. I, I mean, yeah. Well, I saw. Um, I haven't really compared them, but um, again, I know of the differences between Alien theatrical and um, all of the scenes that he reinserted for his director's cut in two thousand three or something. Um, I know about yeah Blade Runner again an obvious one uh, and and there are some other ones that are lesser known like maybe uh, st- like one uh, like the Counselor which um, uh, I hear from somebody that uh, the director's cut of that is quite good but um, I wasn't a fan of the theatrical version of it and um, and uh, and probably the most famous example maybe even more so than well not more so than Blade Runner but just as much as Blade Runner is maybe uh, Kingdom of Heaven. Uh, is that one that you've seen? No, that's one. The one with Orlando Bloom. It's another historical film, right? I haven't seen it. Is it good? Yeah, so the director's cut is quite good. Um, I think that it's very, it's very dense, um, and I don't think it's as good as Gladiator, but it is still quite an impressive film on its mm-hmm. own. And, you know, watching it, it very much does feel like a complete film, and I was very surprised when I read about the stuff that was removed from it, because it seems like crucial scenes were taken out of the theatrical version that then made it, like, not be so well-received, you know, upon release. But I'm kind of glad that he got to, like, officially release his, like, complete version of the film. And that's very much probably, um, I think Ridley has said that that was his biggest, the, the biggest regret of his career, you know, was letting that version of the film be the one that got released and listening to test audiences. Well, that's, I, I am to see the film then. Sorry, I haven't seen it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I can't comment, a, yeah, really. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, 
um, edge out a lot of time to watch it because it is like three hours. But you know, the director's cut of it is um, it's not it's not one of his best in my opinion, but it's still good. I feel. Um, and yeah, 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 yeah. That's kind of that's that that's what I think about a lot of like the the cutting situation. Um, I also think that maybe it, it, it's cool that a lot of his films have ended up being good because he also has the um, tendency to have a lot of uh, production troubles as well. Like probably one of the most famous ones would be, um, and this wasn't really on set, but uh, all the money in the world. Uh, one of his most recent ones that you know had to be like heavily reshot for you know reasons that um, I think most people are probably familiar with. Oh, the one that's where uh, was the kidnapping, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Yeah, so his 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 uh, grandchild is kidnapped, and he he refused to pay the ransom. It's based on a true story. That, that that's a great film. Yeah, well, right. I think it's very solid. Yeah, go ahead. Oh. Oh yeah, so um, I think that um, yeah, that, yeah, that's definitely testament to again his work ethic. The fact that he was able to go back, recast, and reshoot an entire, a very important, very integral role that um, you know couldn't just be removed from the film because it was so important and integral, and it showed that he was able to do that, have it be for the most part completely seamless. And for anybody who doesn't know, I'm talking about the recasting from Kevin Spacey to Christopher Plummer, because they'd shot the entire movie with Spacey, and then for, uh, you know, reasons related to, like, Spacey's, like, you know, personal actions, he basically, they basically just felt like, okay, we got to, like, let's remove Spacey, and that's in put Plummer in this, the role of John Paul Getty. Um, and ultimately, that turned out to be the best thing in my opinion because well Plummer was just such a good fit for that role and he did a really excellent job he, I think he did a better job than Kevin Spacey ever could have done in that role um Plummer just really had this like incredibly charismatic yet kind of um uh evil edge to him and um I think it it definitely bolstered the film but the film on its own I still thought was like good I think it's still Again, I wouldn't call it one of his best movies, but I'd say it's quite a good one. No, yes, I, I agree with you. Yeah, I think it's an okay film. It's an interesting film to watch, and yes, and really, really, I read uh, Scott directs well again. So, yeah, mm-hmm. I, I give a thumbs up. You mm-hmm. were saying, yeah, yeah, and I, I think that um, it, it's, it's also like so. That, so there's that example as well. There were, you know, the problems with like Alien and uh, Blade Runner. And also Gladiator as well, behind the scenes, but those movies turned out uh, really well. Um, the one, like w- like some of his films, I do think have had this like quality to them when they've gotten better over the su- over time. And uh, so- some, like surprisingly, Gladiator was actually deemed for many years, I think, to be kind of overrated. And uh, upon watching it again, I wouldn't say so. I'd say I'd say it totally deserves the accolades that it received. Um, I think it deserved to. Of all of his movies, it's both the only one that is one best picture, and the only one where one of the actors in it has been mm. has won the acting award that they were nominated for. So it's quite rare in his pantheon of like of like thirty films, but I, I would say it's it's deserved. You know, I think that um, Russell Crowe did do a really good job in Gladiator. Um, like uh, what else? Yeah, like Susan Sarandon and Gina Davis got nominated for Thelma and Louise, and I think Susan Sarandon 
would have deserved the best actress award of that year. I can't remember who run who uh, won it though. In, I, think um, it jo- I think it was Jodie Foster, wasn't it? Silence of the Lambs. Oh, actually, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah that was a big competition. I, I probably okay. I probably would give it to. I, I, I would agree to give it to Jodie Foster, but Season Surrounding mm. is almost a tie. I'd say. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. That yeah, that was yeah, pretty um, like groundbreaking year for the Oscars. I think. I mean, they nominated a horror film. They nominated a movie that you know added like female lead and. You know, they also basically they, they they gave best screenplay to Thelma and Louise as well, and I think that was already deserved too because they did have have a really good script. Yeah. Well, not to worry about Sarandon because a few years later she got her Oscar for Dead Man Walking, so everything okay. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. It's true, and uh, I haven't seen that movie either. No, I've seen parts of it on television, to be honest. Not the whole scene. Mm-hmm. I had to watch the whole scene from start to finish. Mm-hmm. Yeah, most likely. Yeah, um, yeah, 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 yeah. In terms, yeah, um, in terms of other films of his, um, I think, uh, it, yeah, there, there, there are some in his pantheon that I don't really like that much. But um, I would say for the most part, uh, a lot of his films, even if they're not that great, they at least are kind of bursting with energy and clear desire that he does want to make them somewhat like. Uh, Hannibal, for example. Um, uh, what do you think of that one? Uh, yeah, I guess I like Hannibal. I mean, it cannot be compared to The Silence of the Lambs, of course, but it's an okay thriller. Yes, mm-hmm. uh, Julian Moore plays a part well, and Anthony Hopkins, well, I don't know. In my opinion, the script makes it makes his character, Hannibal Lecter, the screenplay, it makes his character look maybe too a bit, trying too hard to be menacing. That's my opinion. But apart from that, I like the film. You talk about the uh, the brain scene. Yeah, generally, you know, he the way he talks and everything, what he says, and yeah, yeah, the brain scene as well. But it shows you what he does best, right? (laughs) He is Hannibal Lecter. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, That's a pretty uh, gross bit. Um, Yeah, yeah. I I don't know. I remember finding. I saw it fairly recently as well, Hannibal. I remember finding it uh, not particularly engaging, and you know, especially in comparison to uh, Silence of the Lambs, which was just so tense from beginning to end. This one was kind of a, a bit less so, um, but it, it did have a lot of memorable parts to it. You know, particularly like violence-wise. Yeah, there's that brain scene, and there's also um, all the stuff with like Mason Verger as well was really like. Um, like dark and messed up and really and, and pretty entertaining as well because Gary Oldman he's like caked under this makeup that makes him totally unrecognizable and he just gives this like really weird insane performance as the um he's basically the main villain he kind of almost upstages Hannibal I feel in his own film um but I think but he adds a lot of really good like entertainment value to that movie as well yeah Gary Oldman I mean any role he plays that he plays it brilliantly i think he's, he's a terrific mm-hmm. actor yes but and also because like and ironically enough he was uncredited i think yeah and of course he's he stands up because of his performance i forgot to say sorry and you say he's uncredited what do you mean i think i mean well actually i don't know if he i, I don't know if i'm like um if like on the dvd or whatever even on the credits mm. of the film it doesn't credit him but I think either either he is uncredited or he wanted to be uncredited mm. because I think just because he so disappeared into that makeup that they were thinking to themselves about just not 
crediting him at all. John Hart, when he did Yerophant, man, he disappeared on the makeup, but he got mm-hmm. his name there. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I can't remember if this is something I, I think this might have been something that Gary wanted himself. I, I but I can't remember. I could I could be getting stuff totally wrong, but I just I just remember there was some sort of crediting thing that was going on with that film with his role in particular. But um yeah, also I feel um in terms of the like behind the scenes stuff, I think the 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 change from the novel to film uh, also did result in that movie having quite a weak ending that um, I think hurt it. The way Hannibal Lecter escapes, you mean? Yeah, yeah. Or maybe not with the way he escapes, but just the fact that it just kind of ends. You know, it, it, the, the the movie just kind of stops. You know, and I just it ended on a fairly unsatisfying note for me personally. If, if there was just more of a like a sense of conclusion rather than just a okay, he's still on the loose. Uh, you know, uh, he let Clarice go. You know, it just, I don't. Know, it just sort of made the film, in hindsight, feel like it didn't really have much of a point. You know, because not much was really advanced. Um, you know, but it, it's unfortunate that they didn't make another Anthony Hop- Anthony Hopkins as Hannibal and Clarice movie again, because then they went to Red Dragon and kind of. And redid it. I can't remember. I think the Red Dragon might have just been in its own continuity. I don't know if it was in the same continuity as uh, Silence of the Lambs or Hannibal or anything like that. But yeah, it's it's just unfortunate they could have. I think they could have continued it a lot better than they did. Yeah, yeah I think the Red Dragon was a prequel to Silence, to Silence of the Lambs. That's mm-hmm. where it was. Yeah, another oh, okay, one. If yeah. you ask me. I think it was yeah. a rem- also a remake of the 1986 film uh, Manhunter. Yeah, it was. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. I, don't, I don't think much of Red Dragon, though. Mm-hmm. No. Yeah. Uh, okay, Robert, I think we've co- covered a great deal. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, thank you very much, Robert. Uh, this has been the UK Film Review Podcast for Sir Ridley Scott. Thank you very much for listening. We hope you enjoyed listening and that you will be joining us again. Goodbye. Goodbye. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger. Feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volur XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. 
Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.